and welcome to the Multiply You podcast. My name is Chris Kong. I'm the church planting pastor at Glad Tidings Church in Victoria, BC. We're in a three-part series talking all about multiplying leaders. And in this episode, I interview my lead pastor, Andy Moore. We're talking about multiplying leaders and how to plan, organize, and orient a church movement towards multiplication. Pastor Andy has been in church ministry for over 20 years, and a few years ago he became the lead pastor of GT Church. He's multiplication-minded, and as you hear this interview, I hope you catch his unique vision, because vision is something you can steward and apply in your own context for your city and region, the city that you love. So here's my interview with Pastor Andy Moore. I am here with Pastor Andy Moore from Glad Tidings Church. Pastor Andy, so good to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be with you on the podcast. So for our listeners, Glad Tidings right now is a large church, two campuses, Victoria and West Hills. And tell me what's going on because we're launching a third campus this weekend. So can you tell me a little bit about the excitement surrounding that and why it's a unique expression? Yeah, I mean, obviously we have a multiplication mindset and our dream is to continue to push out farther than we've been before. Um, In fact, the history of GT is a church planting church back into its inceptions. Um, There were moments um, where Glad Tidings was sort of a a leader factory, developing and releasing people all across uh, Vancouver Island, across Canada, as far away as Winnipeg, planting churches in the 40s, training leaders, and so on. And so kind of a return to that DNA in the last uh, five years after about a 40-year hiatus of church planting. Um, And uh, we launched our West Hills campus, which is out in Langford. And uh, that was just super exciting. It felt like a returning to our entrepreneurial, visionary roots as a movement that we were here to move the gospel out. And so it's very exciting. And so um, those two locations have now, the Victoria location and the West Hills location, have been uh, working out all the tensions and all the systems and and um, all of the, the the back end and all of the front front end stuff of what it means to be one movement, two different locations. Um, and now uh, this week we're into October of. Um, of 2019. As of October 2019, we're going to be launching our third campus, uh, unique to the West Hills expression because it's going to continue to exist inside of this uh, Victoria facility. Um, But the reason why it's called a campus is because of its unique DNA. It's a an outreach, a ministry, a church community specifically geared toward the newcomer to Canada. So um, immigrants who have come mainly from the Philippines and have begun to uh, establish and start life here in Canada. There's been a massive immigration uh, from the Philippines into Canada, almost a million Filipinos in oh. Canada. Um, and then um, on in BC, it's 100,000. On Vancouver, no, in Victoria proper, over 17,000 uh, who have come and immigrated from the Philippines. Now, if you consider that in context, um, some of the communities that we have our eye on to plant in, some of the municipalities that are in this greater Victoria area, are the same size as that population of Filipinos. And so it is a um, very specific targeted group um, that really represents the current need. And so we're super excited. Um, and uh, that launch is, is just, it's, we're just right on the, 
right on the, the heels of the launch. Like it's, it's happening right now. How do we get to that third campus? Hmm. You know, it's interesting because sometimes you have this sense of intentional burden to plant something somewhere. Then other times there seems to be this organic growth and development and you're responding to it. And I think it's really important that as as a movement and in any healthy movements have enough margin to respond to what it is that God is doing. We used to talk about five and ten year goals, but now we kind of think in the next three years with enough margin to respond to what God is doing and how he's directing. Mm -hmm. And so we've watched this Ignite community kind of grow up out of the GT Victoria campus, um, developing a bunch of small groups and, and evangelism projects as like one of the ministries of the church. A welcome wagon outreach to newcomers to Canada has just had tremendous fruit. Um, and we just realized that, boy, we need to structure a little bit of leadership here. We hired um, uh, a pastor, a Filipino, who, a Filipino Canadian to pastor that community. Um, and he's just done a brilliant job of kind of bringing it all together. And so really, there's already about 200 people in that community. And so really what we're doing different than with West Hills, which was a full-on launch um, uh, from a startup phase, we're just, we're just drawing a circle around and we're creating the right systems and structures to support what is existing and we're making sure that there's a solid DNA download from our, our centralized um, vision and releasing that um, ministry and kind of morphing it into a full-on campus of GT, campus number three. I want to switch gears a tiny bit right now. Uh, if you were to think back on your experience as a pastor yeah. and you've had many years in ministry now, was there a moment or a kind of encounter that you realized like we have to be multiplying leaders mm. if we're going to make this go? Well, well, I mean, I would say it was young in ministry when I realized uh, the the difference it uh, made in a young person's life as a as a teenager when I was a youth pastor, when I was able to call leadership potential out of them, have them see what they're not seeing, and so I think early on the multiplication of leaders was something that we saw um, in any successful youth ministry that 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 I was a part of that I led. Um, but something specific happened to me um, when I was probably, I'm going to guess, 25, 28, something like that. I can't exactly remember when. It's some time ago. Um, and my youth pastor, who had in my life made such an impact um, in my leadership by helping me see what I couldn't see, um, he died suddenly. Um, he had a heart attack and he was only in his 40s. He was kind of my age now. I'm 45. I think he might have been 48. Um, and he had a heart attack and he died. Um, and I attended his funeral and it was there was person after person from our kind of robust youth ministry and all the seasons of his influence that said, you know, Mark did this for me and I'm in ministry today because of Mark. And all these different people speaking about Mark, my, my youth pastor, who died. And I felt like as I got on the plane and flew home, this was, I was down in Arizona for the funeral. I came back to Victoria. And, and as I came back to Victoria, I found myself very reflective because this man was so significant in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me very clearly about my responsibility to pick up the mantle that was passing to me from that leader. That almost... It was time for me to think differently 
about ministry, that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my platform. It wasn't about my development. It was certainly about the multiplying of leaders so that the kingdom could advance and that someday the stories will be told about my life that really that person invested in me and that's why I am where I am today. What are some things that you kind of bring into your leadership to, to call that out of your staff, for instance? Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, there you can't replace the one-on-one mentoring. I mean, when you're in someone's life, when you're engaging with them, when you're doing life together, there's so much mentoring that takes place there. Um, so it's what's caught and it's what's taught. It's kind of both and, right? So the catching of it is like, be around me, watch how I lead, um, learn how I address a situation, um, hear my voice in the midst of conflict, um, um, see how I navigate challenging waters, how I navigate church dynamics. Um, so, so watch that, catch it. But then also there has to be the intentional times of teaching. And so that's where we've done seasons where we've done like disciple, intense discipleship stuff. We've done internships. We've done, um, uh, we've done different programs that have allowed people to kind of draw into leadership um, in new ways that's more strategic and more intentional. And I think what that all leads to is where we are now, which is basically we have a staff and the goal of our staff is not that they execute, do work, um, but it's that they build teams that accomplish the goals. So it's all about replication. It's all about duplication because as soon as you're responsible to duplicate yourself in someone else's life, you actually listen and learn differently than when it was just about you. And so that shift for our team is, is so valuable and so important. And so I, I want to try to help them make that shift as early as possible so that they become a multiplying thinker mm-hmm. because then that's going to even shift the way our relationship works. Talk to me about that multiplication thinking that you're talking about. Is there a sort of culture of multiplication that you can draw out of hmm. GT or in your staff? The nice thing for us at GT is we get to tell the historical story of a church that understood that they were here to have a, a regional and even a, even a national uh, influence and international through missions for sure. Um, and so because of that, I can draw back on that and say, hey, listen, this has always been a part of who we are. But the truth is, is if, if you don't cultivate um, a multiplication mindset, people always draw into themselves. Um, in fact, it's been quite interesting to see some people who have come to GT and some people who have left because of this exact issue. Because our desire is to go, our desire is to multiply. There are some people that get super excited about that because they see it as opportunity, they see it as forward motion. But other people, they find it discouraging or at least uncomfortable um, because there's always a push to what's next. And so that irritation of, hey, what is it that's next? is something I think that, that really um, has become a key element in our culture as a church. We are always thinking about who's next and what's next. And so we celebrate the wins and we look for the next win. As a pastor who, is, who has such a vision for multiplication, how do you onboard in that, in that way? Well, I mean, if, if we're looking at someone to be a church planter for us, then of course we're going to put them through our pipeline. And so the goal would be to onboard someone over the course of a year where we would have an opportunity to see them at work, help them learn how to build teams, give them opportunities to gather people, which are key elements to church planting. But mostly it's about a DNA download. So in other words, 
there is a culture that exists here. It's intentionally been carved out. It's intentionally stewarded. It's curated. And we want you to catch that. We want you to be around it. We want you to know our language, hear our language, feel our heart, understand why. And if you can catch that spirit and you can catch that heart for why we do what we do and how we do it, then we'll feel confident in releasing you. Um, There's no guarantee in that. That's actually a risk. The risk is simply that you invest in someone and it doesn't, if you will, quotations, pay off. Mm -hmm. But it's never a loss when you see the idea that you're pouring into someone's life and they're worth the investment. Um, but, um, but for the most part, really, we're, we're, we're going to be very specific about who we're looking for, what we're looking for. We're looking for someone who has that teachability. It's a huge factor. It's actually okay. the key to almost everything is teachability. And that's the ability to relearn what you think you already know, right? Okay. Because well. if you come and you feel like you already know, it what's the point of coming to us just go do it Mm -hmm. um but we we have a specific culture and we feel that there's a life-giving culture here that we want to replicate and we can't replicate a life-giving culture with someone who isn't life-giving and so we need people who would have a sense of great faith a desire to grow an optimism about life um, an ability to see a community not as an obstacle but as an opportunity Um, People who uh, can say yes, even when it's not easy. People who can work hard, but also can play hard. Like we have a culture that's really fun and um, we love what we do and we do it together. And so therefore we celebrate together. We, we weep together. I mean, it's, it's, it's the church being the church. Um, And uh, someone who, who doesn't mind working hard, but also recognizes that they're limited by their own work Mm -hmm. and is able to work through others to get the mission accomplished. And have you done that already? Has, have there been many people to go through that program? Well, the actual official um, uh, church planting apprentice has only had one candidate, and I'm talking to him, <laughs> uh, which is fun because it's early days. But what we recognized is that there, were, um, there was no way for us to fulfill the mission God has put in our heart unless we got very specific and very intentional about leader development. Mm-hmm. If we don't have a pipeline, if we don't have a way for someone to go from the pew or from the Bible college or from the staff position into a, an intentional journey toward being a multiplying leader in a new community, then it wasn't just going to magically and naturally happen. So that's really key. So our pipeline starts with student ministries, with young adults, moving into those in workplace who feel like maybe there's a shift or a change for them. Someone who's had ministry experience but has never really been, because let's be real, there's a lot of people who've had a lot of ministry experience, but it's not been very life-giving. So we need people who can have a life-giving church experience. And so um, so that's why we like to bring them here. Mm -hmm. We want want them to feel this. We want them to see this. Um, And um, culture is something that you have to kind of get it on you a little bit, you know? Yeah. And uh, cultures, you know, think globally. Cultures are identified by the food they eat, the clothes they wear, the language they speak, you know, the the habits of the culture, the weather of the culture, you know, um, the political system. All of those things are what define the culture. So for us to talk about it in theory is so different than for you to experience it. Um, If you go to India, then you can say, I've been to India. You can say I've been to an Indian restaurant mm-hmm. or I've read a book about India or I read Life of Pi or whatever you want to say. Yeah. But in truth, the only way for you to truly understand that culture is to experience it. 
And so our desire in our pipeline is to immerse people in the inner workings of the culture and how that culture is created and curated. Uh, multiplication has not always been on the radar of GT for quite some time. That's right. How, how do you, how, what brought that vision back? What, what created the movement towards it, multiplication again? Yeah, I mean, I think it started with a burden. I think it was me going away and saying, God, what do you have for us as a movement in the future? What, what is this thing? What is, what is your heart? And, 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 you know, I think the recapturing of that is what emerged from that. I felt like God said to me that GT, Victoria, is supposed to be a conduit for church planting all over Vancouver Island. And so it was that seed thought that happened, you know, in my heart as a staff pastor here way before I was ever the leader, when I was serving under a leader. Um, and I and I carried that. I carried that with me. I shared it with the leader and I felt, and, and I told him, I think that's going to be a part of the future of GT. Um, and, and so I left that. I just left that there and served the house. Um, and then the opportunity came to me to form vision. And when we formed that vision, um, there was a continuity between what was in my heart and what was in the leadership team's heart. And then, of course, now that's bled through the staff. But, um, you know, you need guides. You need things that are going to help you, mm-hmm. things that are going to um, stimulate what's already in your heart. And so I would say the book that articulated what was already in my heart the best was the book Hero Maker. And Hero Maker is um, from the exponential movement. Um, the authors um, are Dave Ferguson. And then, of course, Warren Bird is alongside of him. And this book, Hero Making, uh, Hero Maker is the name of the book. This concept of hero making actually is, is, is exactly what we're talking about. It's saying that it's no longer about me as a leader climbing higher and doing more. There's a shift going on here. And I recognize that, hey, if this is my ceiling, I'm okay with it. What I want to do is I want to push the ceiling for others. I want people to outgrow me. I want people to do more. I want to be the guy who helps people. So in other words, everybody wants to be the hero. But at some point you realize that you're more valuable as a hero maker than as the hero themselves. How has that affected the way that you lead your staff? Well, I would say the seismic shift has been inside of me. Okay. Um, Because I started to feel like, what was the language I was using personally? I was like, I'm over myself. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like literally, I'm I'm over myself. I, I don't have in me this sense of I need to be somebody else or somewhere else or that I'm in a stepping stone or that I'm only... I'm only partially baked. I'm sort of like, Lord, what you've done in my life is great. I thank you for it. You certainly don't owe me anything. I love where I am. Um, I don't need to build my resume anymore. What I need, Lord, is for you to use me to build others. And so that was really the shift. It was inside of me. and I didn't have language for it. I just was like, I'm over myself. Mm -hmm. How do I get on to other people? And then when I picked up this book and I began to read it, I was like, this is my heart on the page. Mm-hmm. The whole concept of, you know, um, giving away leadership, of leading with yes, of, of um, creating kingdom mindsets and, and, and uh, developing leaders. That has been so massive uh, for me and, and such a really cool shift. How can we incubate leaders today mm-hmm. to be hero makers? I do feel that the credibility for being a hero maker comes out of success as a hero, if you will. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to, 
I'm not trying to say yeah. you gotta you gotta be Superman before you can teach Superman. Yeah. I don't think that's true. Um, I love the examples in the scripture of the obscure um, being influential in the life of those who are very prominent. Um, and so I, I know that that's, that can be the case, but I do feel like you can't rush the process of walking through the deep waters, of walking through pain, because really your leadership um, ceiling is based on your ability to endure pain. Wow. Um, okay. And so uh, you can't, you can't uh, short, short circuit that. You can't hurry the discipleship process in that way. Life has to happen. Tough conversations have to happen. You have to face your own weaknesses. And so until you get to a place where you've done that, it makes it really hard to shift your mindset as a, as a young person from the desire to be a hero into being a hero maker. But I, what I would like to see, mostly in my young leaders, is though there are aspirations and dreams, that included in that picture is the others that they invest in, that they literally see that through the lens of whatever success might look like to them, that they would insert into that lens the humility that gives preference to others and allows others to be developed, and an ability, harnessing an ability through the Holy Spirit, really, um, to see the potential of those around them, not in a way that then they can exploit and use that, but that they could like Paul encouraged Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in them. That's right. So we're moving the goalposts of success for younger leaders. Yeah, that's a really great way to say it. Absolutely. That really it's not, yeah, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't help but speak a word to young leaders who might be listening to this and saying that, you know, I think we've, sometimes we've got humility a little bit sideways and we felt like humility means I'm teachable, but actually humility means I'm okay to be last. Wow. And, and that's a shift. I mean, that's a biblical shift, really. When, when I just say I want to be humble enough to learn, the goal is still and the motivation is still success. I want to learn so that I can be better, so that I can succeed. But when we shift humility to being what it's really about, like where Jesus says, you know, the last are going to be first. Like, like whoever wants to be first among you is going to be your slave, right? Servant of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even, even in, the, in the context of how we look at Jesus, that he emptied himself and became a servant, right? And so the idea is that it, the quicker we can get through that sense of, I want to be first, I want to win, into that place where we say humbly, I want others to win. I want to be there when they win. I want to cheer from the back when they win. Their win is my win. When we get to that place, the quicker we can get to that place, um, the, the more redeemable years of hero making we have. That's an interesting concept, mm-hmm. hero making. And just as kind of a wrap up question, moving kind of beyond strategies or thoughts, um, what are a couple practical steps we can take to multiply the people around us? Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, it, it, it actually doesn't have to be complicated. Um, what, what has to happen is, as a leader, you have to believe in your ability to influence someone. Sometimes I think we get stuck in feeling like, I'm just not there yet. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, like, for instance, I started teaching on leadership 
well before I was an excellent leader. And it's interesting what happened when I did that. I began to mine out concepts. I began to put form, shape, and language to unformed, unshaped things that were in my heart. And so then I, once I could speak about it, once I could talk about it, once I had clarified it enough in my own thinking to share it, because I had to, it actually became something that I began to embody. And so it's not that you're going to have disparity in what you practice and what you say, but what you're doing is you're allowing what you have to come out and to come out early. And so look around, look where there's an opportunity for influence. And influence can be really one of the purest and earliest forms of influence is encouragement. So just look for places to encourage people, to help them see what they're not seeing. That's the, de- that's the key in developing leaders. Help them see what they're not yet seeing. Help them learn what they're not yet learning. And so if you can do that, you can, you know, you can start that today. You literally could influence your neighbor. You could influence your workplace. You could influence your up to your parents, down to your siblings, over to your uh, fellow students. Um, you know, th- it's endless if you just put on the right lens. And that is that I'm going to learn to influence others. I'm going to learn to bless others. And I'm going to start with encouragement. I think it's a really great place to start. And then you begin to wrestle. Okay, so as you do that, that's step one, encourage. And then you start to go into this exploration of how that actually did influence someone, how that actually did affect them. And then the learning continues for you. Okay, so I saw this result as when I made that uh, statement or when I shared it in that way. I saw this result. I saw that person drawing into me or that person um, achieving on this level. So I would really say that those are the seeds of... um, of great leaders who influence other leaders. Start with encouragement, watch the results, learn from what you see, and, um, and you're going to grow as, a, as an influencer of others. Well, thank you, Pastor Andy. That's all we have time for today. Mm-hmm. And awesome. uh, just thank you so much for your time. Hey, it's my pleasure, Chris. Okay. This is great. Thanks, thanks for this topic. I think it's very relevant to people's lives. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed our time with Pastor Andy Moore as we discussed planning and organizing a movement towards multiplication. You can find Pastor Andy over on Instagram at wa.more and make sure to check out the GT Church website at gt.church. You can subscribe to the Multiply You podcast wherever you get your podcasts and please feel free to leave us a review. Check out the show notes. I've created a list of resources I think are fitting to this topic And in the next episode, I'm going to be interviewing Nicole Smithy from Liberty Church, New York City, talking all about how to multiply teams. She's an incredible leader, and I always learn so much from her. And as we say goodbye today, remember to ask yourself, what's one thing I can do this week to better multiply you?